And when, when I talk about rapid performance, I'm talking about a framework for helping you make better data-supported decisions by putting data last. Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Helping People Perform. Um, I've got a very special guest with me today, one that I'm going to be interviewing that I'm sure you're going to be interested to hear from. Um, it's me. Today, we have speaker, facilitator, um, performance improvement specialist, whatever you want to call me, friend, foe, loved one, arch enemy. It's Paul Teasdale. Um, I've decided to interview myself for a couple of reasons. One is uh, because it's the start of the new year. I had a couple of um, episodes lined up with some great people for release at the start of the year. So I didn't want to just start the year off with that. I just want to have a little bit of a reflection at the start of the year. Um, but also because because of the recording schedules that I've had with some of my guests, I've got a little bit of a gap. Um, and I didn't want you to miss out on one week of awesome episodes of Helping People Perform. So what you'll find this week is it should be an interesting episode because I'm going to share with you my story and I'm going to answer the questions that I put to my guests every week. So let's kick off with welcome to the show, Paul Teasel. Why, thank you. Um, but first and foremost, let's talk about my backstory. What got me to where I am today? So let's go all the way back. I'm an engineer by education, did a master's degree way back when and uh, decided to go into the world of engineering and took a job in a place that repaired and overhauled airplane engine parts and had some interesting times there, but it wasn't what was sold to me. It was sold to me as a graduate program. I decided that I wanted the graduate support. You're only gonna get that once in your life coming out of university to have a program where you're accelerated in your management skills. And so, I actually helped the company I was with design and put together a graduate program. And in the process of researching for that, I came across a load of great graduate programs. So I applied to a few and I got a job working for Kerry Foods um, where I was a sausage production manager. And I had some amazing times, a couple of years working for Kerry um, up in Manchester, worked with some amazing people, started off with a small team ended up with a team of sort of 60, 70 people over three shifts, got to learn how to deal with that people management side. And I was very wet behind the ears to begin with. And uh, I got introduced to some, you know, some fairly big uh, management decisions, some interactions, dealing with difficult people, actually had a death in service that I had to deal with as well, all sorts of challenging but influential experiences that I went through. Um, and then I got an opportunity to work for a shipping company, a random one, a company that wanted to have a manufacturing mindset brought to their organization to help them with their um, sort of logistics and their invoicing in particular. That was one of the big challenges I worked on, having lots of difficulties with how they invoiced, bringing some standardization, some means of measurement and means of management to that organization and really making a great impact but I decided 
it was time for a move and time to move into consultancy. And I thought this was going to be the way forward for me and ended up having a great experience working for a consultancy, mainly food manufacturing, um, a few different roles within that. And, and But it was really working with clients, rapid business turnaround, going in, there's a problem, went to solve it, put in some practices, put in some measures, put in the meetings and the sort of visual control boards and things like that in the manufacturing space and really making an impact and having to prove that you've made an impact as well, which is always an interesting challenge. And it was coming to an end of about five years working for that business where my wife and I, um, I think we'd only been married about a year at this point, we decided that we were going to move out of London where we were based, although my consulting uh, essentially took me on the road Monday to Friday. And we wanted to move out of London, so we looked at all these places around the UK and eventually landed on the obvious one, which was Auckland in New Zealand. Um, my sister had been living out there for a while, and we went over there for her wedding. And whilst over there, took the opportunity to knock, literally knock on some doors and speak to the big organizations out there and say, look, we're thinking of moving over any roles that you think would be suited. And, you know, I talk in a couple of my episodes about my experiences here and about actually the positive nature of just literally knocking on a door to um, an organization, physically being there really helps. Um, but be, going and saying, look, this is what I'm about. I like what you do. Maybe there's opportunities. There might not be now, but in future, I'd love to work with you. So I got offered a job with a big dairy export company out there, biggest employer in New Zealand at the time, and really had the Kiwi experience. We said we were only going over for two years maximum. Uh, five years later, we actually came back. But in the midst of that, and whilst my wife was heavily pregnant, we, um, oh, well, I, I got made redundant. And so it was a big shock. I knew the redundancies were happening around the business, but I didn't think my role was going to be made redundant. I thought I was safe in all of this. And so I had to make a move and had to decide what I was going to do. Um, and with a bit of coaching, with a bit of support, decided that I was going to apply for a few roles in different areas, take my skills somewhere outside the food manufacturing world. And I got offered a job in a business banking team, one of the big banks out there, and had an amazing time working with such an amazing company, really innovative in how they were approaching banking, but really um, interesting role because they were actually after somebody who had zero banking experience. And that was me all the way through. And they wanted, again, that manufacturing mindset to bring to their business, to think about how you measure and manage performance. And I learned a lot in those days, particularly around, you know, how do you bring a concept from one area into a completely different industry? Um, but I also learned a lot about myself. I think I went in there and I probably had the idea as to what I wanted to do within the, you know, the first couple of weeks. Um, but I found myself holding back and, and saying, well, it's not really the way they do things here. Maybe it'll be too much of a clash if I come in and try to enforce this stuff from day one. And I really, on reflection, should have had a lot more confidence in my value and confidence in the fact that they brought me in to be um, the sort of disruptive person in there. And so you know, I always advise people, think about why you've been brought into a role. Is it just to fill bums on seats? Or is it actually to bring a completely different perspective? And if it is, don't find yourself, you know, if you do find yourself you're feeling a bit native in terms of you, you're feeling as if you're just part of that business, then really challenge yourself as to is that the value that you're there to add and what can you do differently?
And after a few years in New Zealand, we decided to move back to the UK. I reached out to my network, thought about all the jobs and looked for jobs and applied for a few and had the opportunity to have some telephone interviews, obviously late at night or early in the morning at New Zealand that were sort of late at night or early in the morning for people over here. Um, but what I decided to do once I had a, a couple in the in the bag, really, a couple that I'd had phone interviews and I knew they were interested, was I wanted again to be proactive. So I actually jumped on a plane and flew back over to the UK and said, look, I'm coming to meet you in person because I'm serious about this and I want to demonstrate that I'm serious about this. Particularly if you're you know, physically far away, just demonstrating that you are willing to make that move and willing to go there to the organization and meet them where they're at and understand that business further, you know, that really goes a long way. So uh, that's what I did. And one of the roles that I got offered was working with McLaren, um, the Formula One and racing team. And I had such an amazing experience there. You know, from the first day I walked into that office, uh, McLaren Technology Center, amazing space. You know, and it's really set up to actually amaze people and to be there as a marketing tool for the business and to bring money into the business by impress by impressing people with just how high performance the environment is. And I got the privilege to work with various clients for a number of years, helping take the methodologies, the mindset, the ways of working that had got McLaren to where they were and help people apply those principles for themselves and take some of the technology. So over the years, they've done a lot of in modeling, simulation, data analytics, predictive analytics, and say, right, what can we do to take that out to wider organizations? And how, when we've got uh, clients coming to us with challenges, how can we bring that mindset of data analytics, all sorts of amazing uh, sort of modeling of the world and uh, this modeling the physical world into a digital space. So digital twin was the, the term that we used a lot. So that's often used out, out in the industry as well. And we would help build these digital twins. I would be working with the client to understand their challenges and their, uh, you know, their applications and their value. And then, you know, actually helping them to implement, implement these building proof of concept working with the, the team to say, right, how do you actually use this? And you know, what are the meetings? What's the, uh, the sort of mode of operation, the operator model that sits around using these tools and techniques that's going to give you the most value? And I had an amazing time, about six or seven years working with McLaren. I was made redundant from that role and uh, decided to go it alone. And that's what I do today. I, that's my helping people perform as, aspect is to help uh, individuals and organizations to accelerate their own performance using primarily those lessons from the world of F1. You know, I, I'm a speaker, I'm a facilitator, a workshop designer. I also run programs of work to help people take those lessons from Formula One and to actually apply them for themselves and their organization. So this can be anything from leadership lessons. You know, what are the leadership practices, the ways of working that are demonstrated in those high performance environments? Or it might be around how do you use technology in, you know, to get the most out of it? Not necessarily because I'm the expert in technology, but how do you make the most out of technology by helping it, um, by using it to help you make better decisions? 
So a lot of the world of Formula One is about making better decisions and making decisions in you know, short periods of time by generating insights. And this is one of the things that I really took out of that world of Formula One, which is instead of data and information, think about how you can give people insights. They're going to, going to help them make decisions. You know, so insights are about where you've got data and information presented to people in such a way that says, these are your priorities. These are the things you should be focusing on. Or maybe if you've got some predictive element of it, you know, it's like if you made this decision, the likely impact is this. And that doesn't have to be a big, detailed, technical model of things. It can literally be, you know, sort of using the experience and expertise that sits within your organization. But it's about presenting those insights to the people who are making the decisions so that they can make better decisions. And that is actually the genesis of the rapid performance framework. So if you do go to my website, you'll see rapid performance. It's probably my uh, sort of biggest showcase that's in there. And when, when I talk about rapid performance, I'm talking about a framework for helping you make better data supported decisions by putting data last. So if you think about that world of Formula One, yes, it's really high data intense. You know, it's so much data that's out there. But actually, when you, th um, you think it through, when you think about maybe the counterintuitive elements of it, it's like you can get more data from a car. But in order to do that, you need to add more sensors, add more telemetry, and therefore that adds weight to the car and has a negative impact on the performance that you're actually trying to drive. And so what you want is the smallest possible data set to generate the insights that you need. And... What I've done with the rapid performance framework is hopefully give people something, a way of working and a framework to think about that you can take to any um, part of your business or part of your life, because we're all drowning in data. We've all got so much data and information sitting around us that actually the premise of a lot of business decisions when you're looking to bring in new systems or bring in new reports and things like that is that more data, more information leads to better performance. And we only have to think about our own experience to really think that actually that's not the case. I've got so much on my plate at the moment, just giving me more data, just giving me more information. Actually, unless I can ingest it really well, unless I can make sense of it really well, then I'm just going to be using more and more cognitive load. And it's actually going to slow down my decision making and possibly lead to worse decisions uh, than I was going to make uh, without that data. And that's where I talk about a lot with my clients about insights. So insights are things that help you make decisions and support that data decision-making process. Whereas the data is the sort of the what, you know, the, the facts and figures and the information is the so what, the, the context of that data. So, so what, um, and information tends to be reports, lots of things in, in businesses, loads and loads of reports about what the data is, maybe with a bit of trending. Very little insights are presented to people to say, you know, what decision should we make or what are the th top three options ahead of us to, you know, to maybe break down those decisions so that we can only focus on the ones that we need to make. Not out of all the possible outcomes, we don't need to focus on all of them. We just maybe need to narrow down on deciding between A, B and C. 
And so that's what I do. I work with businesses. Uh, and I do a little bit of one-on-one -on -one coaching with people uh, at an individual level, but I love working with teams as well. I work with small and large organizations to help their teams make better decisions and to bring in those performance practices and the high performance practices that come from the world of F1. And don't worry, I, I do add a few stories about sausage making and banking in there as well. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an insight as to who I help and how I help them. So this is typically the time of the podcast where I would ask my guest about how do they help themselves perform? What do they do to keep themselves sharp? And over the last couple of years since I've gone independent, my world has changed in this front. I, I used to rely a lot on the organizations that I was working with, I, you know, always learning, always taking opportunities. But a lot were brought to me, a lot were made available. Um, you know, these courses are around or these bits of learning, these experiences. When you're a solopreneur, when you're working for yourself, you have to go out and find those and be deliberate about them. So I get a lot of my energy and a lot of my learning from networking. Um, I love to meet new people. Um, I love to speak to them in, you know, face to face if we can, virtually if not. Um, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've had the privilege through this podcast and through being introduced to the podcast experience that I've you know got contacts with some amazing people and their guests as well, and if they've either been a guest or a show host. And so I listen to a lot of podcasts and I get a lot of my insights and a lot of my energy from that space. I must confess, and I did confess to this in a, uh, a recent podcast where I was guesting, is that I'm not a big reader. Um, I do like a, a book, uh, particularly a business book, one that helps and gives you tips and tricks and insights. Um, but personally, I find it you know, tough to sit down and actually read through those books. Um, and so I like to listen to things. I like to interact. I watch lots of little videos and clips and things like, like that. Um, on YouTube and uh, watch podcasts if people have got the video versions as well. I think that's a great way of learning for me. Um, and so, yeah, so that's me. I, I, I get a lot of that energy. Outside of that, I've got a family. You know, I, I spend a lot of time uh, spending time with my family. I love rugby. I like to go out to watch rugby, watch my son play, uh, go down to the local club, occasionally go over to Twickenham, which we did just be, uh, after Christmas, um, maybe watch an international game or something like that. That's a you know, big passion of mine to, to watch rugby. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm all about. Um, and so typically, again, I'm going to ask myself the same questions. If I could help any individual team or organization with the skill set that I've got, who would I want that to be? And my horizons are really expanded in this space. Um, I love working with teams and I love working with leadership teams. I think that's really where I get a lot of my, my own energy and a lot of the value goes back as well because there's leverage there. I love to work with a leadership team who is hungry to learn more and hungry to give their teams more. So they're looking for different sort of frameworks and different approaches. And actually one of the frameworks that I've uh, developed is to actually help teams with that. It's to help them understand what their challenges are, what their opportunities are, and who are the experts in those fields that they could potentially bring in to bring in a new set of insights but the new set of insights that really have the biggest impact on their own performance, which is something I'll call my reframe uh, model and reframe framework. Uh, and again, I'll probably put a link to, to the episode of my other little podcast series in where I explain that reframe model, because 
that's who I love working with. Teams that have a passion for trying something new, getting new insights, and giving those out to their team to help them uh, perform and accelerate their performance. And if I was to, you know, sit down, have the opportunity to sit down, have a beer, have a coffee, have a meal with somebody who I think could really help my performance, um, there's so many out there. I've got some amazing friends and families. Uh, I think someone who's always been very influential to me um, is my old coach, my old friend, uh, Don McVeigh, uh, over in New Zealand. He had a, always had a great way of communicating, challenging me, and helping me to perform at my best. So whenever I get an opportunity, and I'm actually going out to New Zealand um, over Easter this year, so I'm going to be knocking on Don's door and seeing if I can get a beer with him, uh, maybe take him out fishing, teach him how to catch a kingy or two, and uh, and maybe see if he can challenge me and my thinking and my performance again. Um, but anyone, really, I'd love to sit down with anyone, just have a chat. And finally then, how do you find out more? How do you find them? Well, you've already found this podcast, which is a great place to start to find out about me and my guests. Um, you know, I've got some amazing people who have been guests on this show. Um, I also run the Helping You Perform podcast series where it's a bit more me to camera, short form, not quite as long as this, uh, typically about between about seven and 10 minutes long. And I get little lessons that I've learned from the world of Formula One and help you to apply them. Um, but the best place to go is go to my website, go to paulteasdale.co.uk. That's P-A-U-L-T-E-A-S-D-A-L-E dot C-O dot U-K. And uh, the other way is LinkedIn. You know, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm under Paul J. Teasdale. And, you know, drop me a line. Let's set up a free 30-minute chat. You know, I've, I've, that's one of the things on my website that will come up. Just ha let's have a one-to-one. -one. Let's catch up. You tell me about what you do, I'll tell you about what I do. And if I can add value, either through my my own work or through connecting you with some of the great people that I know, then I'd love to do that. So I hope you found this uh, rather strange episode interesting. If you've got any questions of me, drop me a line, put it in the in the uh, the comments. You know, please like and rate and review this podcast to help me get more and more great guests. I've got so many lined up this year, um, but you know, you'll see and hear from more and more of those guests as we go through. But I hope you've enjoyed listening to my story. Um, and if you do have any questions, please do get in touch. And I'd love to hear from you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review and share. I'm Paul Teasdale. And from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.